0: Before we get started with this podcast, we wanna let you know that we are covering a very sensitive and tough topic in this podcast. Um, and for that reason, we're gonna be using some vocabulary and language that we don't typically use that you may not be um, accustomed to hearing on the podcast.
1: Right, yeah, we always, we're always a little bit concerned about the topics that we choose, but, but we really felt that it was time to address this one. Um, and we, we're, we're gonna to try to be judicious and cautious, but um, yeah, fair. I think it's fair to warn that it might not be appropriate for all age groups. Um, um, certainly, it is for adults, and I would guess teenagers. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: But mm-hmm. but that's we'll let you make that decision. Um, just be aware that um, you know it may be something that you want to listen to when there's not so many ears in the car or right. um, in the room while you're while you're checking it out. Yeah, so. you may want to listen to it first, and then do a family a family group. Absolutely so but we hope that you enjoy it and um, learn some and reach out to us if you have any questions so all right here's the podcast. Welcome back Richard today we're going to start to tackle attempt to tackle a a pretty challenging and um, somewhat controversial and uh, topic that is really difficult I think for a lot of people to talk about and to think about. And so we're gonna, we're gonna start our conversation today because of some recent um, legislation that's come out of different states and just a lot of issues that we know um, uh, as it relates to this, this topic. And so we're gonna, we're gonna begin a discussion today about transgender youth.
1: Right, it's a topic we want to discuss because more and more parents are bringing this um, to us to ask our advice as to how to handle this very, very difficult issue. Um, It's a problem for kids, it's a problem for parents. Parents in particular are really struggling um, to thread this needle because they want to support their children, but they know the the dangers and the problems that that kids might encounter by this very difficult decision. Um, So they're, they're struggling to find a place between their own personal beliefs on the topic of uh, sex and gender, but still be supportive of their children who seem to be struggling with the issue. So we're encountering it more and more in our practice. Um, parents are struggling, we know that. And um, there's a, and the, the, the problem is, at, at least from our point of view, as a psychologist and as somebody whose who's, uh, advice is being sought by parents, is that legislation now is being passed that could impose um, penalties on some of the decisions that might be made. And right. so again, it, it's like political or um, uh, not political, legislation is getting ahead of what we know about this very difficult topic.
0: Right, and, and those, those penalties, um, there's that legislation is looking to uh, assign penalties to the kids, the, the parents, even medical professionals who are, who are trying to help these families. So yeah, it's a, it's a very um, it's a very interesting and unfortunately not completely surprising uh, right. move that we're seeing because it's, it happens with a lot of things where it seems as though legislation is moving ahead of the wave. And um, you know, I, again, I think some people will see that as a positive thing you know, they, you know, they're ahead of the curve and they're trying to prevent problems or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, when it comes to things like this, we're not really waiting for science. We're not really waiting for us to really know things. Um, we're just working in, um, basing things upon beliefs and basing things on uh, different perspectives that may not, may not be common among everyone. Um, Right and so yeah, we have to be careful about that.
1: yeah, when we start passing laws um, I mean and, and imposing penalties, I mean right. they, these promise to impose penalties, as you said, on children on parents, on medical providers, and in some states on teachers who will find themselves in legal trouble um, if they violate these laws and um, and yet the laws are based on information or what we now call facts, and we have to be very careful with the word facts, because again, it's whose facts are we talking about? And my goodness, we spent enough years uh, debating that topic. So who gets to decide? And, and th- I think that's the important issue. And when should that decision be made? Right. And we begin with a caveat. Uh, I, I don't pretend to have the answer to this, to the issue of transgender youth. I don't for a moment. And nowhere in here are we going to say, therefore, this is how you should handle this problem. We don't pretend for a moment to understand this issue completely. Okay. We know that there are very strong feelings and opinions about the issue. but It seems like, I'm sorry, on On both sides. sides. That's right. There are people who absolutely say this is how it is. And they're absolutely on the other side. On the other end of the spectrum are people who say, no, I completely disagree. But but I think we have an obligation to try, at least, try to respect everybody's opinion. Right. I mean, again, we don't have demonstrable facts that we can say this is exactly how it is. And whenever we don't have that kind of hard data, um, then we need to we need to respect everybody's point of view on a topic, especially when we're talking about punishing one group. I mean, right. that, I think mean, that's where we get into problems. We also acknowledge that there, there are very difficult practical um, dilemmas that are created right. by transgender individuals. Um, the use of restrooms, for example, and we saw what happened in North Carolina a few years ago, where they passed a law that said you can only use the restroom based on your physical appearance or, or what you were supposedly born as. And then the, I guess the um, uh, National Basketball Association or the NCAA uh, removed their tournament from North Carolina, the law was repealed. Doesn't solve the problem. Right. We still have to decide. Um, another problem that's coming up is if a person is a male, born a male, and then becomes transgender, can they participate in women's athletics? Right. Because they would have an obvious physical advantage. Okay. Um, third, what about names? Um, frequently paid, young people uh, teenagers will come in and say, I want my parents to call me by my other name. Right. Um, and, and parents struggle with that. And then the whole issue of pronouns, do, do I refer to him as, as him or her or they? So there are lots of practical implications here that we also have to resolve. So it's, it's a very difficult, very complex problem that's gonna probably require a, a lot of understanding and a lot of patience to get to some resolution that satisfies everybody.
0: Absolutely, and, and I, I think in in response to that too i think that we have to say that there's not going to i'm sure that there will not be a solution that's going to be acceptable by everyone um mm-hmm. this is, is the case with so many other things um mm-hmm. but you know as we're, as we're having this discussion we're going to do our best to um to be as um respectful and everything to everyone as possible right. um, because it's it's really difficult when talking about some of these things to um to, to, to be cognizant of everything. So like, for example, a minute ago, you mentioned, um, you know, that about athletics based upon, um, the gender you were born with or the, um, the, the, the sex that you were born with. Well, that's what you were assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I know that to be completely observant of, of everybody's, uh, perspective, you would say, the, the, the gender you were assigned at birth, not the gender you were born with. Um, but there, there's a lot of those nuances. And, and so we are going to work really hard to be mindful of that as we're having this discussion. And um, because it is such a complicated, uh, yeah. complicated topic. Um, and, you know, I think just to be just to be aware that um, there are so many nuances with the way in which vocabulary is used when we're having this top, this discussion, uh, like you said, with pronouns, um, it, it's so um, specific and so um, detail oriented. And so, um, you know, we, we are going to work really hard to be respectful and, and in all as we're having this discussion. Um, so just be aware as we're having right, right. A It's a
1: very yeah. It's a very delicate topic. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to get the exactly the right word out so that you don't offend anybody. But, so I see the problem. The the crux of this problem, I believe, is, is and I say I believe. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Notice I didn't say I know. I, okay. my humble opinion. We're imposing a binary solution on a non-binary problem. Right. But a binary, this word binary means you either are this or that, by, by the term by is two. It's either this or it's this. So you're either a male or a female. So when you say you were born this or this, that's binary, you're saying there are only two. What we know now, what, what we've learned over the past 50 years is that sex, even biological sex is not either or you are on a spectrum. You, there is something called scientists use the term intersex, which means that biologically you can have the genitalia, you can have the physical appearance of a male, but yet your chromosomes are those of a female or your hormones are those of a female. So it's not, it's not a simple binary solution. And so, the solution has to be has to accommodate more than just either or and i think that's that's the problem we're struggling with so the basis of the argument that you're born either male or female but that's based on appearance we know that for example xx and xy you all heard of that and even in high school you started to talk about that that if you're xy you're a male but there are women who have xy
0: Right. I, I know of a situation. Um, I had a patient once whose friend um, was um, what was um, part of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And um, she had some blood work done uh, for something. And um, again, bio, uh, physically, she was identified as a female and had been identified as a, a female her whole life. And she's an adult now, of course. And um, she said it, it, it seemed she never felt right. Um, it never felt as though that's, that made sense to her. And so um, she had some, was having some blood work done for something and they, they um, upon looking at her, um, her, her blood, they, I found out that she was actually XY, not XX. Right.
1: So everything about her was a girl. I mean, everybody who looked, everybody said, this is a girl, right? Right. You were but, born a girl, you were assigned a girl, okay? Right. But biologically, you have the chromosomes of a male.
0: Right. So, so as you said, it's not. It's not. It, it may look one way, but it may be a different way, and and we don't have explanations for that. I mean, you know, no, we don't we have explanations from the perspective of well, during this particular you know prenatal stage of development, um, there were more, there was more testosterone than there was estrogen, or there may be been more of this or that. At those particular times, and so it led to, you know, the developments of these um, things, and not those things. Or, or we we can hypothesize that way, but right. it's really difficult to understand and explain how some of these differences can happen, and some of these differences happen, and nobody ever knows, you know, in, right. unless you have a blood test done, or unless you have something specific like mm-hmm. that done to you,
1: right, and. You know, we're we're all conceived as female. We know that too. Right. We're all conceived as females, but then there are these hormonal changes that occur during gestation, and some of us get a, a Y chromosome. It's it's a hormonally induced changes, the physical. and yeah, physically, and then you become a I male. Mean, you're born this way, but you become this way. Well it's not an absolute it's not a switch that you flip and say okay now you're completely x y um so you are also assigned you also become a gender based on the relative amounts of various um hormones and so the amount of estrogen versus testosterone will also have an effect on your sexual orientation, or even your biological sex, okay? And so you have a genetic influence, you have a hormonal influence. That's not even talk about this, the socio-cultural influences. Um, but biologically, um, you get into this very difficult problem that mo- that should move everybody away from this binary decision that you are either this or you're this.
0: Right, and, and, and that's just, really that's just dealing with the mm-hmm. physical, the biological aspect of it, then you right. have the, all of the psychosocial and emotional aspects of it right. where, where, you know, and, and when I talk to, to parents and, and patients about some of this, I, I use examples that I hope that we can all uh, appreciate and re- relate to that, um, you know, when you think about, we think about gender as binary, but yet we have, we all know people who don't fit into the perfect binary um, category. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we know, everybody knows some um, women or, or girls who are much more male, much more masculine acting. You know, we call them tomboys, right? And, right. and, they, um, and they are very physical, they're very active, they, are, they, they exhibit all of the behavioral and emotional characteristics of boys, mm-hmm. but they're girls. And we we know boys who are very feminine or who are very, um, you know, even if they're not necessarily homosexual or anything, um, they are very much more effeminate and and they are much more on the um, female end of the spectrum, again, behaviorally and emotionally. Um, and, and, And that has nothing to do. Those things have nothing to do with sexual orientation. They don't necessarily have anything to do with, being transgender or how they identify um, based upon gender. It's right. just, we all know them from a behavioral and emotional perspective. Mm-hmm. And so to say that well you're either male or female is, is doesn't make sense because we know people who, who cross somewhere in the
1: middle. Right, that's right, that intersects. Of, of, right. You know. So, and, and here again, we have this problem if we ignore the science, if we ignore what we know, what, what science has told us about sex, about gender, um, if we ignore the science, then on what basis do you make decisions? Right. If you're not gonna use scientific and um, factual information, I mean, this is how biologically our bodies are structured. Right. If you ignore the science, then, uh, so the first question becomes, then on what do you base your decision? Right, And then, and also, what do we do with the millions of, As one, about a million and a half US citizens um, are transgender. That doesn't, um, we're not talking about gay or homosexual or bisexual. We're talking about transgender. Okay. There's a million and a half citizens. What do we do with that? Right. You know, do, and so what I, what I always say is, let's go back to the Hippocratic oath. Whatever we do, first, do no harm. Let's not hurt anybody. Okay. Let's not let's not put people in categories where they're punished. And what worries me about this legislation is that it promises to punish people, regardless of your viewpoint. It promises to punish people for making decisions that appear to be consistent with the scientific data. Right. And so that's i think where we get in where we start to get onto some very thin ice and where we need to be very cautious that's my personal opinion is that okay everybody's entitled to their beliefs but let's not punish one group because of their belief because of their decision okay
0: right absolutely but because we know that uh, families are struggling kids are struggling schools are having a difficult time you know everyone you know, the government is having a difficult time making decisions about some of these things. So let's, let's recognize that there's some difficulty with this. And let's, um, as you said, figure out how to proceed doing the least harm possible. Right. Um, and, and typically doing the least harm starts with not imposing one person's belief onto another right. um, or right. one group's beliefs onto another group. And, right. and I think that that is a safe place to start. Um, but yet, even though that's what we should be doing, um, as, as we said at the, the outset of this podcast, um, there's legislation starting that is not taking that into consideration.
1: Right. Um,
0: right. And, and this year has been, um, ha- has been massive as it relates to that.
1: That's right. You know, and the other thing to remember is that there are cultures around the world. And in fact, there were Native American cultures and we have written evidence of this that assigned roles to people who had this anomalous sexuality, sex uh, differences, um, that uh, there, was, there were men who were obviously born and were, were really more female than male and the culture allowed them to play those roles. And th- these were documented in, in the early um, conquist- conquistadors Uh, wrote about this in their their notebooks when they came back and talked about, and there are cultures around the world today that make accommodations for this very thing. So 2021, and here's our alarm. 2021 has become a record breaking year for anti-transgender laws. 33 states have have introduced over a hundred bills that are essentially aimed at curbing the rights of transgender people. And it includes everything from 31 states have laws about participating in same gender youth sports and and, uh, 20 states um, are considering legislation um, to ban uh, uh, gender affirming healthcare for minors uh, that will punish either parents or physicians or other healthcare providers if they provide care to these children. The other issue for us as psychologists is this is targeting a group that is already, as we know, has higher rates of suicide and depression than any other group. Um, Suicide, as as we know, we're talking about teenagers here. No one's talking about five-year-olds and eight-year-olds. We're talking about teenagers who are beginning to struggle with their sexuality and their identity. And among teenagers, suicide is now the second leading cause of death right. among adolescents. Nineteen um, percent have seriously considered suicide. That's one in five. Fifteen uh, percent have uh, have a plan. Eight uh, percent have attempted, and two and a half percent have injured themselves during a suicide attempt. So right. the rates of ideation, plans, attempts attempts requiring and, and non suicidal self-harm remember that let, let's let's think about all those kids who are cutting themselves and hurting themselves in other ways not it's non suicidal but it's still self-harm okay so remember that these bills regardless of their intention um, are are targeting a minority group that cannot defend themselves that they're not a voting block okay so and they're not going to contribute to campaigns because they're teenagers. And so it's a minority, it's a very small minority that that has been targeted. This issue has been targeted for punitive legislation. So here are some examples.
0: Well well first say you know you gave the statistics about um, suicide risk and and rates in in teenagers but that's in teenagers as a whole yeah, generally the, the mm-hmm. rates as it relates to Children um, and teenagers in the LGBTQ community Mm -hmm. are are even higher than that. Uh, They're they're actually, in some cases, significantly higher than that. So Mm -hmm. as you said, we're we're talking about a population of of individuals who can't defend themselves, who can't really stand up for themselves, but they're all, and they're already vulnerable to some of these uh, social emotional um, consequences. And the psychological consequences of of the way in which they are, are treated, in um, the the ways in which they are, you know, um, managing different things in their lives. And so, yeah, we have to be aware up front that this is a this is a vulnerable group, um, from that perspective.
1: Right. And and all we're saying is that whatever laws you decide to pass, don't do anything that will push this group closer to. So we already know they're. Higher risk, okay? So you don't want to do anything that's going to push this group to higher rates of suicide. Imagine for a moment that a a teenager is just bent on becoming transgender and does, and then is removed from his parents and put into the foster care system, and his parents go to jail. Imagine what you're doing to that 13 or 14 or 15-year-old kid that my decision got my parents' you know, it got me taken away from my family and my parents are in jail or they're fine. I mean, imagine the pressure that puts on a kid. You know, do we, do we really want to do that to each other? That becomes the question. I, I don't, I'm not for a moment questioning the intentions of people who wanna pass this legislation, but the legislation should not put other people in that position. No, they don't deserve to be put in that position. They're not robbing stores. They're not hurting other people. These aren't crimes. These aren't person-to-person crimes that are being committed. Okay. Yeah. So, so let's let's be careful with that. We have several examples, um, and we don't have to walk through each of them in detail. But um, uh, the, one of the most famous that was in the news would happen in Arkansas. Right. Um, it, it, it's called the Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, <laughs> and um, you know, there's that, there's that language again, it's so language is so powerful, you know, when you think of where, who's experimenting on whom. Um, the governor vetoed this bill um, when it was sent in, he vetoed it, the legislature, because he said, We're let, this bill would put government in the position of making parental decisions about, about many other issues not just transgender. Um, right. It opens the door to say, you know, we're going we're gonna to take parents out of the decision-making and we're going we're gonna to have the state government make these decisions. And Asa Hutchinson, who's the government in Arkansas, said, I don't think we want to go that deeply into it. And the legislature overrode his veto. Right. And this is now a law in Arkansas that that we can punish parents and caretakers if they do this kind of, Work with teenagers.
0: Yeah, healthcare right. providers can lose their license. Um, That's right, and and, and fa- they can face you know civil litigation mm-hmm. uh, if they if they
1: provide care to uh,
0: right. And what is gender
1: affirming care? Is it is it just physical operations? Is it chemical? Is it hormonal? Is it hormone impla- uh, enhancement? Is it just giving uh, advice? You right. know, this is how you should do this. This right. is how you should. This is how you should dress. this is how you should cut your hair. So what is gender-affirming care? So we have to be very careful about these. Um, Alabama passed a a similar law, the Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act. Um, Again, what are we- The vocabulary
0: is very interesting.
1: Right. And so we have these laws and and we're gonna talk about the Texas law, which kind of produced this podcast. Yeah, there are also educational prohibitions. Right in Iowa, for example, um, one bill would require that parents give written consent for teachers to discuss gender identity while their children are present in the classroom. Right. Um, right. Another stipulates that any curriculum that includes gender identity. Includes that it's like a it's like a warning on tobacco products. Right. It must also include the potential harm and adverse outcomes of social and medical gender interventions. Social, social gender interventions. I, I'm, I worry a little bit about what's social. I understand not wanting to do surgery on a fourteen-year-old. I right. get that. But what are social gender interventions? Right. Well, and. and- Thinking back to that
0: Arkansas situation, you know, they even um, have made it a a law where educators have to refer to students by their assigned uh, gender, the gender they were assigned at
1: birth. Binary, that's binary again, okay.
0: Getting back to binary, and we already discussed how, you know, what you are assigned at birth may not necessarily match with what you are genetically. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But yet- That's what, and and you know, and I I know that you have heard about this too, Richard, but I don't know if many of our listeners have heard of these situations. Um, We know of people, um, we've had patients who were um, at the time of birth, there was some ambiguity Mm -hmm. as to what they should be assigned.
1: And the parents. That that happens. Somebody has to make a decision in the delivery room about which way we're going to go with this.
0: Right. And, and so, um, you know, uh, that, that, that has nothing to do with medicine. That has nothing to do with, really has nothing to do with biology. It's the parents, the parents in those situations make the choice. Do we want to refer to this child as male or female? Right. Um, but yet again, here we have a situation where lawmakers are saying that you have to use whatever that gender was that could have been assigned by a parent,
1: you know, 15 years ago. Right, right. And and again, when you when you say that educators must, again, you have the government saying you have to do something that flies in the face of everything we know right. about this very difficult problem. Right. You know, and, and that's the problem. is that, And again, I don't, we're not questioning anybody's motives. We're just saying you're doing something that flies in the face of everything we know about this topic. Right. And, and it's different
0: when it's a law, which... I mean, exactly, it's by by ifs in some way uh, versus recommendations. You know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, mm-hmm. American Psychiatric mm-hmm. Association, the American Psychological Association; those groups provide recommendations for the way in which practitioners should engage in um, their the, the care of their patients. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's laws that are in place for this, that's that's a very different situation. That's a very different. Um, circumstance because now suddenly you are at risk of being punished. That's right. um, and man, if um, that, that's, that, those are heavy, heavy sentences.
1: Right. And, and that's, and that's the whole issue is that it, it's one thing to issue recommendations. You know, this is what we, based on all the information we have, this is what we recommend. This is the best way to manage this very difficult problem. But when you begin to write legislation, It carries with it punishments. If you don't, you're you're now breaking a law, Mm -hmm. and it's it's that punishment provision that I find most troublesome. Because now you're, uh, you know, we see very, we see parents struggling. I mean, this is a heartbreaking, difficult uh, time in a family's life where they struggle every day with this issue. The kids are struggling. The parents are struggling. And now to impose these punishments on this just further complicates an already complicated situation. It's an impossible thing to deal with. Now, when you add these laws to the mix, it's gonna make it infinitely worse. And this Texas bill is one that um, was was, uh, in the news the other day, Uh, it was reported. And the byline was, Texas bill could send parents to prison for providing gender-affirming care. Um, so that, of course, bylines are meant to attract your attention, so you read the article. So I read a little bit into this article. It's published uh, last week, uh, April 14th. Um, and what, what the law does is it redefines child abuse. Right. And, and it says, administering, supplying, or consenting to provide puberty suppression drugs, hormone replacement therapy, or surgical or medical procedures to anyone under 18 for the purpose of gender, gender, okay? That's now child abuse, okay? It's a form of child abuse. You have to report it. It has to be reported. And if you don't, if I know that a physician has done that, I'm now going to have to report that physician. You're, You're putting us in that very antagonistic adversarial position by writing these kinds of laws, okay, so it's punishable. It's a felony. It's punishable by two to ten years in prison and having your children removed. If right. a parent allows this to happen, right. it's punishable by ten to 20, uh, two to ten years in prison and to have your children removed. Right. Uh, that to me is incom- it, it is simply incomprehensible.
0: Right. Yeah. It's it, and it flies against everything that we know about about what child abuse is right uh, but but against what we know to be good health care um you know we we can't um you know if a parent comes to us you know i'm gonna say luckily we, we don't live under those kinds of laws where we are um but you know i couldn't imagine what dilemma i would be in if a parent came to me saying um man my 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 child is having these issues and I'm wanting to, you know, we're wanting to see what we can do to, to help them through this process and and to make some of these changes that they feel would help them, um, you know, fully recognize and, and, and feel that they are who they feel they are. Um, And then to have to say, well, I'm going to have to report that to Mm -hmm. the department of children and families, because you are seeking and in attempting to consent, to um, some type of procedure, um, that's uh, that would be a horrible situation to be in.
1: And again, we—I want to emphasize. Remember earlier we said we don't pretend to have the answer. I'm not. We are not for a moment suggesting that you should allow your children to have these medical surgical procedures. We're not. We're not saying. We're not saying that at all. We're not advocating that you go out and do this. All we're saying is do we want to put parents and, and medical providers in this position? Do we really want to do that to each other?
0: Okay. Right. And, and I think that um, while we don't know the answer, um, we know that this, this isn't the answer. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's, you know, the, these kinds of laws, they're, they're, these are not the answer. This is right. not what's going to be the, the way to work through some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- there are every medical... Um, organization has, well, not every, I shouldn't say every, most um, medical organizations have recommended procedures for us to follow when we have a a patient or a family that we're working with who finds himself in this situation, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, before a, before anybody um, receives hormone replacement therapy or anything like that, whether it's a teenager or an adult, um, you know, it is recommended that they're working with a mental health professional, that they are working with, you know, medical providers who are knowledgeable and um, uh, aware of these types of issues. And so it's not like you can just go up to the store and get hormone replacement therapy. I mean, you, there are procedures in place to help ensure that the the patient is safe and and. That the the treatment is appropriate for what's going on with the patient. that it's not just a um, you know we we do as much as we can to make sure that this isn't just a um, you know uh, adolescent angst that the, the person is working through. To and as part of that, they're trying to experiment with some of these different things. You know, there are procedures in
1: place to help prevent that. Right. And you know, uh, it's it's funny. No, it's not funny. Here's the irony of this. The, the bill was proposed by a Republican senator. His name is Charles Perry. He's a deacon in the Baptist church. Okay, so I said, well, but he felt obligated to protect, protect children. What he said was, who have not reached the maturity to understand what is being proposed, nor the impact on them in perpetuity. I don't disagree with that. Right. I, I think that teenagers we have to be very careful with that. teenagers don't make a decision that they can't reverse right. because you might change your mind. It's not that they're not able to make the decision. It's just that many teenagers are, are making decisions that they may not fully realize the lifelong impact of that decision. And, and so I don't disagree for a moment with Mr. Perry's, reason for doing it. I think we all agree that, right. and we advise, I have always advised teenagers, do whatever you need to do superficially, change your name, dress differently, get your haircut, makeup, it doesn't matter. Just don't do anything that's permanent yet. You, right. This isn't a decision you have to make when you're 14 or 15, you have time.
0: Right, and, and in fact, um, most of those medical organizations I was re- referring to earlier, um, have steps in the, in place to, to, to do just that. Um, so for example, I was, there was a patient that I was working with and, um, in in looking up a lot of these things and trying to make sure that, um, we were doing everything appropriate for the patient, Mm -hmm. um, you know, found that the, the recommendation is that the patient lives, um, in essence, behaving and dressing and presenting themselves as the identified gender for up to a year mm-hmm. before any consideration is made regarding um, hormone treatment or anything like that. So that would mean that if um, someone was assigned female at birth, but they are identifying as male and they um, and they want to undergo hormone treatment, hormone replacement therapy to um, increase their testosterone, um, that person you know, to follow the procedures would would basically live and present themselves as a male um, for up to a year mm-hmm. before there's any consideration for for hormone treatment. So it's not as though somebody can wake up one morning and say, you know what, I I'm going to start identifying as, as the opposite gender and um, and go get hormone treatment. You know, we're not. That's not what's going to happen. Or certainly shouldn't be what happens.
1: We, we do that with other kinds of surgery, like bariatric surgery, for example. It's a lengthy process, comprehensive process. You see a behavior specialist, you see a dietitian, you see the surgeon, you have um, a, a, a psychological uh, assessment done before. These are serious considerations. And, and certainly uh, sex uh, transitions are uh, certainly fall into that category a very serious medical decision. And it should be given time um, to, to make sure that this is the decision that you really want to make. And these are decisions that the typical 13, 14, 15 year old um, needs as much guidance as possible. Certainly doesn't need the threat of punishment. They need as much guidance. I would, when I, I would say, Mr. Perry, let's talk about this. We don't disagree. About um, permanent changes, but let's figure out a way to do this that doesn't punish, that doesn't target a group and punish that group or parents or care providers. Right, absolutely. There's a better way to do it.
0: Absolutely, um, yeah. Nothing. I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't want our 13 or 14 year olds getting tattoos. Um, yeah. You know, well, and and that's, you know, superficial, literally. Um, but um, so we wouldn't want to jump. To, Jump to those anything else that's permanent without following a procedure and, and making right. sure that um, that is
1: the right thing to do. Right, and and certainly in this in this day and age, um, you know, there's so much animosity, there's so much anger among yeah. us uh, with yeah. what happened last year with the election and the Black Lives Matter movement and the pandemic. Right. Uh, it, it those those large um, events. Really turned us against each other. I mean, there are families that literally are not speaking to each other because of the election, um, because of Black Lives Matter, because of the pandemic. Um, so we we have these issues dividing us, and you know, do we really want to be turning our. Do we really want to turn against each other, whether it's a a large group or a small group? Especially when we understand so little about this very complex issue, we're just beginning to understand the science, the biology behind. Uh, gender determination and um, until we have until we know more um, let's not let's not um, target these groups um, and punish them you know write these laws that could punish them you know in my lifetime there was a time when people of different races were legally were not allowed by law to marry Right. They, they had to marry, they had to secretly live together because it was thought, I don't know, unnatural or wrong or something. Then that was in my lifetime. Uh, we saw the same thing. L- look at same-sex marriage, you know, what, how that issue, went. that was supposed to be unnatural. It's between a man and a woman. Again, binary. Look, it's a binary decision when maybe it's not so binary. And right. so there are other things we can point to, to say, to, to argue for caution. Let's be cautious, let's be judicious, let's be careful. Let's not just start by punishing people and making things illegal, okay? Right. Let's not politicize what is a deeply personal family dilemma, okay? Right. Um, this edition, this whole issue of transgender, especially in teens, is a very complicated issue, there's no clear answer. Uh, and parents are walking this fine line between alienating their children, losing their children, not affirming their children, right. And at the same time, not giving in to demands for permanent changes, okay? So so parents are caught in this very delicate um, uh, razor's edge where they, they want to affirm their children without um, giving in too much on the issue. Um, and, when, and the second issue is, um, we frequently hear lawmakers say that schools, or other government agencies shouldn't be allowed to do certain things that are really the parents' right, like sex education. You know, schools shouldn't be doing such a that's a parent's right. Schools shouldn't be talking about this, that's a parent's right. Schools shouldn't be doing, that's a parent's right. Suddenly, with this issue, we're saying, no, parents don't get to decide, the government gets to decide. Well, you can't have it both ways. I mean, if the government shouldn't be involved in parental decisions, then the government shouldn't be involved in parental decisions. Let's, let's be very careful about um, saying it's okay for government to be involved with this group, but not with this group. Um, I think that puts us in a position I'm not sure any of us want to be in, okay? Um, so what's our advice, I, I think? Okay, so where do we go? Yeah. If you're a parent, first of all, if you're a legislator, Please be careful, and please don't write legislation that harms anybody. Okay? Right. None of these people—not the kids, not the parents, not the care providers, not the teachers—who have to be careful about their language. None of these people deserve to be punished. Right. Nothing is happening here that should be punishable by fines or imprisonment.
0: No okay? one's being malicious. I mean, no. What no is intent, what, intent here? What is—is oh. is, is anybody
1: doing that's harming
0: anyone? and the decision they
1: make is affecting their family right and it's a decision that that family however they decide to deal with it it's their their it's a family problem that they're going to have to deal
0: with right
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
0: it doesn't have it it, it's not it's not affecting anyone else outside of the family right um so yeah
1: yeah so we ask you don't target this group, this minority. They're not an enemy, okay? And that's that's the other thing. LGBT, the, the LGBT community is not going to destroy our civilization. Right. They are not after control. They're, they're, they're not a threat to anybody, okay? Right. They are struggling with their issues, like I'm struggling with my issues, okay? Their issues are different, not better, not worse. They have their own private struggles. Um, They're not going to take over anything. Okay. That's number one. If you're a parent of a youngster who is struggling with this issue, right. Now, we all, there's nothing more dear to us than our children. Okay. So, whatever our children's struggles are, we're we're in 100%. Okay. You're not going to love your children less. For any reason, no matter what decision they make, they they may get involved with drugs or alcohol or sex or, or whatever. You're not going to love them less. You're going to worry more, but you're not going to love them any less for this decision. And your love isn't uncondit it, it is unconditional. It's not going well. I'm going to love you if you get a D1 scholarship. I'll love you more than if you don't get a scholarship. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, I might be proud, but that has nothing to do with how much I love you. Okay, So our love is, is, is uh, should be unconditional. And if your child is struggling with this issue, they still need you and your support because it's a, it's a very difficult struggle. You have to affirm and respect your child. If I have not had personally had to deal with this issue, so all I can do is try to be understanding of parents who are struggling with it, okay? Because okay. I know it's a struggle. I see the parents in tears. I see the parents struggling to make the right decision. I see the parents saying, I want to affirm and respect my child's opinion, but I'm struggling to to do so because it's not what I want for her or for him. Okay, I understand that. Parents know how difficult it is for the LGBTQ community. Those people are facing a lot of obstacles. And I think that that's the big thing is that, you know, for a lot
0: of parents, they're um, resistance to it or they're pushed back to it is because they know what difficulties lie in wait for, for kids who are in, in adults, even who, who are, you know, dealing with those issues and living that life. Um, so, so, you know, thinking about, you know, so what kind of advice to give the kids, be aware of that, be, be aware that there's going to be some resistance um, not necessarily because people, are are resisting you, but sometimes it's just resistance because they don't want you to have the kind of struggles that you're bound to, um, or likely to experience. Um, sometimes the resistance is based upon bigotry. Sometimes the resistance is based upon, um, disinformation or misinformation or, uh, whatever. Um, and sometimes they're based upon beliefs. Um, so that resistance can be, you know, a, just a pushback, and sometimes it could be worse. It could be, you know, right. uh, you know, we we hate hearing about you know violence against uh, this group of individuals, um, but it could happen, and so it's just important that kids are aware uh, of that, and because of that, you know, you know, resist that urge. You know, in adolescents, we're already a little bit more impulsive and um, less patient uh, than than at other times in our life, and so you know. Resist that urge to do anything that's permanent. Um, anything that's going to be so long lasting that you can't undo it. Um, just be mindful of those kinds of things. Because um, this is this is a big decision. Um, and, and it's, you know, even using that word decision, I understand is controversial because it's not a decision. People recognize this as who they are, not a decision that they're making about who they are. Um, the decision is more related to the decision to how you're going to, to proceed with it. You know, I, the,
1: the, I, I want you to, I, I think we should emphasize that point. I think it's an absolutely, the word decision is absolutely critical here. You're absolutely right. You don't decide, parents will come to us and they will say, well, she's not, she's not old enough to make that decision. Okay, that's, that's how this begins she's not ready to make that decision and the first words out of our mouth is she's not deciding biology decided okay again it's not binary it's it's not like she made like she was only this and now she's made some decision to be this no that decision is made for them nobody would decide to take on the challenges i mean think about it the life that you're facing okay so the decision about your, and I don't know what word to use here, gender identity, gender, it's not gender orientation. It's more how you define yourself. Right. Is made for you. Okay. Where the decision becomes important is what do you want to do about that? Right. How and and to, at what age? Right.
0: Say that again? How you're going to manifest it. That's,
1: That's right. It. Yeah. That's right. And, and because uh, Bernie and I spent a lot of time working with middle school children, writing about it, talking about it, middle school is the most confusing time of adolescence from puberty to about the end of eighth grade. And the end of eighth grade is about 14 or so, 13, 14, 15, is the end of middle school grades, six, seven, and eight are the most tumultuous, confusing time for teenagers. Mm-hmm. After that, after they get to high school, you'll notice that kids become more stable as they get older. Okay. And uh, because the brain matures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when you're an older adolescent, you're just much more stable. I mean, look at your 18 year old compared to your 13 year old. Who's more stable? The 18 year old, okay? So it's very important that we not let these young teenagers make too many decisions because their life is in turmoil anyway because of the rapid changes in their brains. As they get older, you can talk about
0: mm-hmm. other
1: things that you might do. So the dis- the decisions you make is the important consideration. The decision as to who they are has already been made. Right? I mean, we have, I'm sure you've had this, but many teenagers come in and say, I knew this when I was five or six years old. I knew this since I was seven. Yeah. Uh, this hasn't changed. I, I can make this decision when I was 15. I felt this way when I was eight. Yeah. You know? And they'll tell us that. It's very candid. They disclose, I've always been this way. You know, it didn't just suddenly happen or I suddenly realized when I was 14, what all this confusion was about when I was eight, nine, 10 and 11. Yeah, okay. So the decision is made, that decision is made for you. You now have, you and your parents now have all these other decisions to make, which must be made very carefully so that you avoid some of the important challenges that you are going to face. And depending on where you live, You could face more than just verbal criticism and name calling. You know, you could be you could be putting yourself at risk physically, right? Yeah, uh, from bullies and other people who who are opposed to this.
0: Well, and 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 again, I think bringing it back to the purpose of this podcast is that you know, and now in some states, that consequence is legal, um, and can have legal consequences, right? That's um, right. You know, fines and even prison. Um, or the removal of your children. Um, so, so, you know, the decision, right. The decision is what we're going to do about it or how we're going to process through it, not what it is. Um, right.
1: And so and now, now, and you're right, we're adding this additional burden, you know, not only do you have to worry about bullies and thugs and people who are opposed to you, whether, you know, you can be kicked out of your church, you can, be, you can be kicked out of sports, off sports teams, uh, schools, if you use the wrong restroom. There are lots of um, personal social implications. Now, with this um, 100 uh, laws being debated right now, now you're also going to have a legal consideration to add to this equation. So it's further complicated by these recent laws that are being passed. And that's where I, I, I take issue with the legislators, because these are adults who should be helping, not um, further constraining uh, these kids and their families.
0: Absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, we had the link to some of the articles in the show notes. So uh, we, we encourage you to read some more about it. Um, and in even go to, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Psychological Association, American Psychiatric Association, and look at what they recommend and suggest about Mm -hmm. uh, some of these things. And you'll see that, you know, no one is encouraging or recommending any type of impulsive decisions, especially as it relates to youth, um, you know, um, youth, patients, adolescent patients. Um, So, you know, educate, learn more about it. And, um, you know, if you're you or your kid or anyone that you know is going through this, you know, encourage them to seek the support of um, mental health professionals, medical professionals who are aware of these types of uh, concerns and issues and can help process through it and and help you walk through um, this, this tough transition.
1: Yeah. I think we have to, you know, it brings to mind this whole controversy over conversion therapy, you know, where, you know, we struggle with that. So, but we can change them we can somehow can change their mind it wasn't that kind of a decision they made okay you you weren't you weren't and, and now we know even the founder of conversion therapy has recanted and right. said i was wrong you know and so um these are complex issues they're going to require complex solutions and they're, they're going to require all of us working together um and, and we we uh we uh plead with legislators. proceed cautiously on this issue because you don't want to add uh, punishments either fines or imprisonment to an already complex issue it just makes it even more complicated for everybody absolutely so Uh, they don't they're they're not a threat this is not a this is not a threatening minority who's going to overturn the government these are kids and families that need our help and support
0: absolutely all right that is it for today until next time stay happy stay healthy and forget to be afraid